0: I've taken the time to study the all 22 coaches film from the Buffalo Bills' Week 14 win over the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm sharing my top takeaways today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Well, folks, you know what time it is. It's time for the All-22 Review. Spent Monday diving into the film, and I want to share with you today my top takeaways. Love doing the immediate post-game reaction. It kind of captures some of the emotional elements, the immediate takeaways, but this is where we can really dive into what happened and figure out the cause for success, or maybe even some areas where the Bills had some missed opportunities. And so we're going to talk offense, defense, the themes, the snap counts, the studs, the duds, all the stuff here today on the podcast. But I do want to start with the offensive side of the football and something that I was able to. Uncover pretty quickly was Joe Brady, the Bills offensive coordinator. He leaned into offensive formations that were four strong. All right. So, what is four strong? It's when you have four eligibles to the strength of your formation, right? So, either on the left or the right side, on that side of the ball, you have four eligible receivers. And that puts a lot of conflict on a defense because it's it's a little bit unbalanced. You're not used to seeing four eligibles on one side with one eligible on the other. And it's something that the San Francisco 49ers have done a very, very good job of uh, to me in terms of where their offensive success comes from by kind of really flooding certain areas of the field and putting stress on a defense's ability to communicate. And I think when the Bills had their most success against Kansas City, they leaned, to, leaned into four strong formations and sometimes making it four strong with motion at the snap. So you have a three by two set that becomes a four by one set right at the snap. And again, putting stress on the defense. Let me give you some examples of where that really showed up uh, right away in the early 11 yard completion to Dawson Knox over the middle of the field. He was wide open, right? Well, the reason he was wide open is because the Bills did a good job of late motion to get to four strong, and it really stressed the Chiefs' defense. If you watch that particular play on the all 22, they have multiple defenders that are just like twisted around. They don't know who they're supposed to cover, they don't know where they're supposed to get to. And that's because the Bills stressed their ability to communicate. And that led to a very easy completion over the middle of the field to Dawson Knox. It showed up on the touchdown pass to James Cook a few plays later, where It's a four-strong alignment. Again, they're all twisted up, not exactly sure what to do, and James Cook's able to just run by everybody for an easy touchdown reception. And then they started to run the ball out of some four-strong looks. So they did – they had some success throwing it, and then they started to run the ball very successfully out of four-strong looks, still using some of their core concepts, whether it's the dart-tackle-wrap play or duo where they have combo blocks on the interior – they gave those four strong alignments, which really kind of widened things out for the defense, created more space up the middle to run the football, and they had a lot of success with it. Then, to start the second half, the first play was that same deal in terms of Dawson knocks over the middle of the field. They dressed it up just a little bit differently. They put Reggie Gilliam in motion and then back across the formation. So they dressed it up a tick differently, but went back to it. But then they started running the ball out of four strong alignments to the weak side. And it was a really good tendency breaker. So typically they'll run to, they'll they'll like to use a tackle rap play. They'll pull Deion Dawkins from the backside, put in play side. Well, in the second half, when they had success running the football, they kind of did the opposite of that. They had the offensive strength to the right side of the formation. So they had four strong to the right. And then they would pull either Mitch Morse and or Spencer Brown to create strength to the weak side and really give them some out unscouted looks, right? Some things that the bills hadn't put on tape yet this year. And I thought really the success when the bills had success offensively, they were using these four strong looks and I'm really intrigued to see how they build off of this, right? So you put something out on tape that I think has been pretty much an unscouted look. And now You had within the game, you had your counters and pivots and things that you build off of it. Well, now what happens when you have another week, right? You get the Dallas Cowboys at home next, and they're going to have conversations about four strong, and they certainly know all about it. They've played the 49ers who use it a lot. What wrinkles do you have off of this to keep defenses guessing? I think one of my biggest takeaways was the success of four strong formations when the Bills offense was really, really clicking against Kansas City. So that's one of the biggest points that I wanted to make to you today. The next thing that I want to get into is James Cook. James Cook's having a great year and he had a great game against the Kansas City Chiefs. 10 rushes for 58 yards, five catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. So in total, 15 touches for 141 yards and a touchdown. He accounted for over 40% of the Bills' offensive yards, which is pretty uncommon for you know James Cook. And it's It's been a great year for him so far this season among all skill players in the NFL, all of them. James Cook is seventh in yards from scrimmage. He's got 1,180 yards from scrimmage already this season with four to play. He's first in the NFL in yards per touch at 5.87 yards among running backs that have at least 100 or more touches. My guy has been really, really productive. And it's great to see, right? It was a big storyline this year. Devin Singletary, your leading ball carrier, your leading rusher in each of the last four seasons. Leaves in free agency, you draft James Cook in the second round. You give him a year to kind of incubate and play behind Devin Singletary as his rookie season moves along. He gets more and more opportunity setting the stage for him to be your lead back. And look what he's doing. Top 10, seventh in the league. And yards from scrimmage. A lot of growth here. And I think you've seen a lot of growth in season as well. I think one of my big talking points last year with James Cook was I I didn't recall there being a player that demonstrated more in-season growth than James Cook. I think he's taking another step. And in this game in particular, I thought it highlighted two areas of his game where I thought he needed to improve that he did. And this game against Kansas City really highlighted some of that stuff. Big talking point with James Cook was, all right, never really been a a lead back, kind of a a slender build, kind of 5'11", 195, right? Not necessarily the build of a typical lead ball carrier in the NFL. And you kind of wondered, okay, what type of a between the tackles runner can he be? Right? You can't just be a pass catcher and a perimeter runner. You got to be able to do more if you're going to be a starting running back in the NFL. James Cook is showing us that he can do more. And the two areas that I wanted to highlight that I think you saw him really excel at against Kansas City that signals growth is navigating congested areas of the field. So high traffic, right? A lot of people around him. It's tight quarters. How does he get through those situations? How does he smartly navigate those situations as a guy that's not just going to pinball off guys and run through tackles, right? That's not going to be his game did a very good job against the Chiefs. There were plenty of situations where there's a lot of bodies around him, there's not a lot of space, and you saw him trust the blocking schemes and do a good job of getting out of that by being patient and finding daylight and not, not taking opportunities to bubble runs and push to the sideline, staying on track and being patient in you know between the tackles' runs. Very, very good growth there. The other piece that I thought was outstanding – from him was vision in the hole, right? Like that ability to be in the hole and and know what your next move is going to be anticipation, right? Talk about anticipation as quarterbacks, you can anticipate as a runner, right? Do you need to have predetermined tracks to go with the football or can you anticipate based on leverage and knowing your blockers and what the front looks like, where that space is going to be. And I thought whether it was navigating those congested areas, those high traffic areas, or doing a good job of showing good vision in the hole, I thought those were two big, big growth areas that were on display for James Cook against the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and something that gives me a lot of encouragement for him as the Bills' lead ball carrier. In fact, I would say I wanted more James Cook after studying the tape. Leaning into him even more, both as a runner and a pass catcher, would have been a good idea. If he could have pushed 20 touches in this game instead of 15, you know, I, I think there could have been more production and even better results p- perhaps for the Bills' On offense, All right, we're going to talk more about the offense here in just a moment. I want to get into the wide receivers. They weren't very effective in this game. I want to talk about the pass protection, offensive snap counts here in just a moment. But, folks, I got to tell you about game time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event while well, you're in luck because game time is here and is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, all-in prices. They give you a view from your seat. And the best price guarantee. I mean, simply put, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. The app is awesome. They have flash deals. I love logging in and just seeing what deals they offer me. And they also send the tickets right to your phone, so you don't have to dig through emails. They go right to your phone. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code LockdownNFL for twenty dollars off your purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LockdownNFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, folks, let's talk wide receivers. Let's talk pass protection uh, for the Bills' offense in this game. Obviously, the, the wide receiver production wasn't there, right? Gabe Davis, no catches. Steph Diggs, four catches for, like, 27 yards on 11 targets. Shakir only gets, like, one target in the game. You get a, a random catch from Sherfield, a random catch from Hardy. But overall... It was about throwing the ball to running backs and tight ends, and you didn't get much from your wide receivers. Well, per, first of all, give the Chiefs credit. They have some good corners and Trent McDuffie and LeJarrius Sneed that, that played really good football. But why was this production lacking? I, I would point to, to a few things. I, I don't think it was cohesive. I don't think Josh Allen, when it comes to throwing the ball, particularly to Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis, they just didn't feel like they were on the same page. They just weren't vibing out there. And you saw some scramble drill opportunities that, you know, guys weren't getting to the spaces where they typically do. You're seeing situations where Diggs was creating leverage, but Josh wasn't throwing it to the leverage, just not on the same page. And this is a couple of weeks in a row, right? You go back to Philly, and I, I dedicated a fair amount of time in that conversation to passing game miscommunications and missed opportunities. And I think you sh- they showed up again. I mean, look at the same situation Gabe Davis. Against the Philadelphia Eagles, should have caught the game-winning touchdown pass, but you know, that, or Josh Allen threw the post, and Gabe Davis ran the corner, and they were not on the same page. You saw it again. You saw it again with uh, that late game situation where Diggs is or Davis is wide open down the field, and Josh Allen doesn't throw it to him; he throws it to a covered Dalton Kincaid. And so, like that's one example. But throughout the game, you're just They're just not synced up and you you expect more, right? These are, these are guys that have been together for a while, right? Three, four seasons, a lot of throws, a lot of practice. Like you'd expect them to be a little bit more on the same page, but for the last couple of weeks, they really haven't been. Uh, I thought Josh had some ball placement issues on some of his throws to those guys. I thought the receivers made some route adjustments that didn't necessarily connect with what Josh was seeing. And I think overall, the chiefs for a good amount of the game had the bills a bit confused with their coverage rotations and their pressure looks. I thought Steve Spagnola had a great defensive game plan with some of the times where he showed pressure and where he bailed out and where he sent some extra help and where he leveraged. They had a good game plan, but the Bills never really were able to get on the same page consistently in the passing game to be effective. And a big part of what they tried to do in this game were those perimeter screens. Um, And there were some effective moments, but a lot of those going to Stefan Diggs and there digs whenever he catches those perimeter screens he catches it and then he likes to spin to the outside before he gets up the field you can't do that like it's giving the defense way too much time to respond and get downhill and make a tackle if you saw the play to surefield they had one to kincaid um where they ran these perimeter screens you got to get the ball and go And, and you even watch the chiefs they ran a ton of them as well with rasheed rice catch the ball and go you can't you don't have time you don't have time to get set up and and dance around and, and spin. You got to get up the field. Uh, now they did all these perimeter screens, which were I would say mostly ineffective, but it all led to the moment where they freed up Gabe Davis completely in a blown coverage, and then you didn't execute right. You threw the ball to the covered Dalton Kincaid as opposed to the wide. I mean, wide open Gabe Davis. So a couple of weeks now here, where you have just a just a not not a very not a super polished passing offense to your wide receiver core and I thought that showed up a lot when studying the tape let's talk pass protection here a little bit uh you had some issues here um less with that less with the offensive line more with the the running backs more with Josh Allen uh the running backs had a rough day in particular not James Cook they didn't really ask him to, to block much but Latavius Murray and Ty Johnson I thought were both a mess in pass protection they combined to allow six pressures uh just not a not a good job of, of scanning, right there. Part of it is as in pass protection, you want to scan the defense, realize where your protection schemes, vulnerable and help. I I thought they were wrong all game long, had some opportunities to make some blocks and whiff. I thought those two guys, Murray and Johnson and pass pro were a disaster. And then Josh Allen himself. I I don't think he did a good job of IDing free runners. Uh, There were some situations where I thought he held onto the ball, had some turndowns that he could have got the ball out quicker. And that allowed pressure to get there. Uh, In fact, pro football focus charged Josh Allen with being responsible for 26% of the pressure that he faced, I'd absolutely agree with that. So when you're running back and your running backs and your quarterback aren't doing good a good job of IDing and get to getting to hot routes and helping the offensive line, you're going to have some challenges. So I, I thought that was an issue. Again, the offensive line had a few whiffs. Osiris Torrance, Spencer Brown had some whiffs. McGovern had a whiff or two. So you had those moments that are you kind of expect that within the course of a game, but your, your backs and your quarterback, I think, let down your pass protection a good bit in this football game. Josh Allen under pressure, 40% of, 47% of his dropbacks in this game. Now, he, he had some good results throwing the football, 11 of 19 for 125 yards, a touchdown, and an interception uh, when he was under pressure. But I think the number here that really tells the story is the average time to throw. Josh Allen's average time to throw in this game 3.28 seconds. That's a season high for him, and I think that just speaks to how unsettled things were for the Bills' passing game, uh, where Josh is holding onto the ball that long on average, um, and not enough within rhythm, and not not enough quick answers, not getting to quick answers when they're available. Uh, it was probably a game where I thought Josh was a little bit, a little bit um, incorrect with where his eyes were. A lot of times, looking at some vertical stuff when more of the underneath opportunities were there but i think spagnola kept them guessing the whole game long and uh, never really got into a consistent rhythm although there were times where it looked really good i think overwhelmingly um it was more chaotic off script you know not really playing within consistent structure to the level i think that it needed to happen also i didn't think he had enough play action in this game um 18% not 18% play action rate. That's not, that's not good enough. I need more play action from, from Josh Allen. Um, do the thing, do the thing that Josh Allen is great at more, right? And you know me, I want 30%. So we're sub 20%. This is a few games in a row now where you're just, to me, it's not enough play action. I think that gets Josh in rhythm. It, it opens up chances down the field. Um, not enough, not enough in this game, in my opinion. Offensive snap counts here. The Bills played 77 snaps of offense. Josh Allen, all 77 snaps at running back. James Cook, 34. Latavius Murray, 25. Ty Johnson, 16. Reggie Gilliam, 10. I'd like to see James Cook get about 15 more snaps. So if you're going to play 77 snaps, let's get him about 50 of them. So um, I like how Joe Brady's gotten these running backs involved. That's great. Here for it. Just a little more James Cook. At tight end, this is a big one here because it's Dawson Knox's first game back. Dalton Kincaid 60 of 77 snaps. Dawson Knox 47, or excuse me, 37. Uh, Quentin Morris seven and David Edwards 10. So Kincaid still playing like significantly more snaps than Knox. Kincaid was second on the team in targets with eight, had five receptions, and and Dawson Knox had three catches for thirty six yards. There's room for both of them, folks. They can both help this football team. Obviously, I do believe that Dalton Kikade should be the number two option in this passing game. A wide receiver, Gabe Davis, 63 of 77 snaps, Steph Diggs, 61, Khalil Shakir, 47, Trent Shurfield, 15, Deontay Hardy, three. Hat tip to Shurfield and Hardy for making both a a, a positive catch that went for a first down, uh, both of them in this game. And then your offensive line, All five starters played all 77 snaps, so the Bills continue to have good fortune when it comes to the continuity with their offensive line. All right, we're going to talk about the Bills' defense here. How did they defend Mahomes? Some some storylines in the secondary that were interesting to me, also my studs and duds coming up here in just a moment. But, folks, i got to tell you about DoorDash. I'm obsessed. I tell you this all the time. The convenience of DoorDash is unmatched, right? We're all busy. We're all trying to figure out where we can get some extra time. Well, DoorDash helps you do that because they'll bring you groceries right to your front door. They'll bring you food from your favorite local restaurants right to your front door. I love that. They'll give you groceries just like you picked them off the shelf for yourself and the, the restaurants, right? You can you can order dinner. You don't have to worry about when, what you're going to make for dinner. You're not going to have to worry about when you're going to get to the grocery store. DoorDash will bring you those items right to your front door. So check it out. Got a deal here. Get 50% off up to a $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your first order, when you download the DoorDash app, And enter code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. Again, that's 50% off, up to a $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your first order, when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. All right, folks, let's get into the Bills' defense here. I want to start with defending Patrick Mahomes, right? Always a a big task, uh, defending Patrick Mahomes. And I thought thought Sean McDermott had a good plan um, defensively, and I thought they executed well. What led to success? What were the principles of this defensive game plan? I think it starts with the D-line, and I don't think you're going to look at the Bills' defensive line and see that they had a bunch of tackles for loss or a bunch of sacks. They didn't. They didn't have those things, but they played good football. They played the right game to affect Patrick Mahomes, whether it was very disciplined contain rush or some very intelligent Five man pressure looks that Sean McDermott dialed up, you had the right mix. And I think the number for Patrick Mahomes here that tells the story is his average time to throw, just like Josh Allen's time to throw. Josh Allen's time to throw very high. I think he was thinking a lot, processing, kind of chasing a little bit. I think Patrick Mahomes was frustrated because Patrick Mahomes loves to get outside of structure, loves to create, be instinctive, get outside of structure and make throws. And that's exactly what happened against Philadelphia in the Bills' last game, where they did a pretty good job early in that game of kind of keeping him in the pocket and making him win from the pocket. And then in the second half, Jalen Hurts was able to get all over the place and make throws. For 60 minutes, I think for the most part, the Bills did a good job with their contain rush with four, and then when they had some very good five-man pressures, very effective. But that number that I want to get into, 2.65 seconds. That's the second fastest average time to throw of the season for Patrick Mahomes. Remember, his season average entering this game was over three seconds, 2.65 in this game. I think he was like 2-4 something against Minnesota in week five. And so what, what you did by being disciplined with your rush, you didn't give him that opportunity to play outside of structure, extend plays, and create and do the things that he's the most dangerous Doing and you you force him to play within structure and how many times did you see him one hopping throws? You saw him uh, having drops right from his receivers and you know not that they were like right in the breadbasket, but just a little bit of an adjustment here or there that he had to make because you know things are around like it's congested around him. You're contained rush, you're compressing the pocket and you're keeping him right there. When Pat Mahomes likes to play a little bit more of a freestyle game, so you took away the thing that he likes to do. Great job. Great job. That's why I think they had the success that they did against Patrick Mahomes in this game. I want to talk about two players in the the secondary, uh, Christian Benford and Micah Hyde. Christian Benford, they targeted Christian Benford a ton in this game. Uh, Was targeted 12 times, gave up 11 catches. Now, 11 catches for like 87 yards, so it wasn't a ton of yardage there. But they threw at him a lot. And I think I give Christian Benford a lot of credit, right? It's probably very annoying to have to play – deep third quarters right you're playing zone defense you're getting a side turn you're trying to stay leveraged over top and what Kansas City did is they would really just mess with him they would send a couple of players into his zone and they they would do see stacked releases and they both push vertical and then they break off and you know whatever Benford did he would be wrong and then you have to make a tackle or there'd be times where He'd be anticipating that, and he'd play a little bit more off to give him a a little bit more opportunity to play with his eyes, and then they would cut off their routes and throw short, and he'd have to come up and make a tackle, which he did over and over again. So they flooded his area, they put him in conflict, and I thought Benford stayed resilient throughout the game, he made tackles, and then it paid off, right, he got that forced fumble that was recovered by Taron Johnson, that was a big moment, and so... It's tough to be picked on, especially like it's not just man-to-man and they're winning routes against you. This isn't Kyrie Elam against Jacksonville, right? It's not that. It's zone, and they're putting you in conflict, and no matter what you do, you can't be right, and you just have to make tackles, right? No no cornerback wants to do that, but Christian Benford did, and it resulted eventually in him making an impact play in in terms of stripping that ball out. But a tough assignment for him in terms of just how Kansas City played him, but he responded in, in a good way, in my opinion. The other play I want to bring up is Micah Hyde. I know it's unfortunate that he got injured in this game, but before he got injured, he was an absolute disaster. Um, two couple of different looks, and, and Sean's got to stop putting Micah in these positions where it's a bunch set, and Micah Hyde's in man coverage. He can't play in man coverage anymore. It's 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 not a thing he can do. And a couple of plays before his first injury, you know, it's he's playing man coverage over top of Jalen Watson. He's playing with ten yards of cushion and. Watson just able to push vertical and, and just run a, a little bit of a corner route and Mahomes gets outside of structure and throws it to him for like a 15, 20 yard game and a couple of plays later, he's playing man coverage against Marquez Valdez scantling and playing with inside leverage. And I mean, Marquez Valdez scantling just gets like crazy separation on the outbreaking cut and Mahomes one hops it or else it would have been a big play, but Micah Hyde to man coverage, not a good thing another play where he's trying to come down and and it's a quick stop route from Travis Kelsey not a hard thing to read Uh, stop route five yards turn around catch the football and Michael Hyde sees this and he's coming downhill to make a tackle and like he bubbles and gets wide and it never comes to balance and there's no chance of making a tackle like it was these blunders that just wouldn't stop happening and then he has a couple of injuries loses feeling in his arm he's week to week with a neck injury I'm concerned about that but also concerned about the way he's performing, especially after that Eagles game. He gives up a couple of touchdowns. I, I just, I'm not sure how effective he is. And I don't love Taylor Rapp. Let me tell you that. I'm not a big Taylor Rapp fan. I haven't loved him on tape. I think he plays a little bit reckless. I don't think that he always processes and is in the right spots. But um, yeah, I think the Bill's got to figure something out at free safety because I'm not sure Micah or Taylor Rapp is the answer. I'm not sure that you're going to fix that right now, but something that I'm starting to think a lot about moving forward. Defensive snap counts: sixty-six snaps for the Bills on defense. Greg Rousseau, forty-six. We're doing defensive end. Greg Rousseau, forty-six. Leonard Floyd, forty-one. Shaq Lawson, twenty-four. Von Miller, twenty-four. Good job by Von Miller. He made a play. His run defense was terrible in this game. He was getting pushed around. He's not a physical player, but he did beat the rookie left tackle uh, late in the game. That um, did a good job with a two-hand swipe, cleared Wanya Morris's hands off of him. Was able to turn and get to Patrick Mahomes, forcing an incomplete pass. That if it got to the target. They may have gotten a first down, so uh, effective play. Little hat tip to Von Miller for doing something positive. Uh, 24 snaps for v- Von Miller. A.J. Epinesa, four snaps. Of course, he had a rib, rib injury. Sean McDermott said today that he's day-to-day. Or excuse me, he's week-to-week, week-to-week. Defensive tackle, Ed Oliver, 52 of 66 snaps. Jordan Phillips, 34. Tim Settle, 19. Linval Joseph, 18. At linebacker, Terrell Bernardall, 66. Tyrell Dotson, 48. Tyler Not- Tyrell Dotson continues to play good. Like he's a, He's been fine for this team, uh, and I thought he played well against uh, the Chiefs. Dorian Williams, five snaps in this game, had a huge pressure, huge pressure. I've talked about this on yesterday's show. The third down on the Chiefs' drive prior to the Bills getting the ball back and having the game-winning field goal drive, Dorian Williams is the one who was able to rush the B-gap, kind of bounce off Juwan Taylor, get into Patrick Mahomes' face, And he had a guy wide open down the left sideline that would have been probably like a 30, 40-yard gain. Mahomes couldn't get what he wanted into that throw because of Dorian Williams' pressure. At corner, your three corners, Christian Benford, Taron Johnson in the slot, Rasul Douglas, all 66 snaps, Jordan Poyer at safety, all 66, Micah Hyde, 34, Taylor Rapp, 36, and then Cam Lewis, 11 snaps. My studs and duds, this was kind of tough this week on the studs and duds. Um... Because I don't know that there was any, like, dominant performances, but there were components of the game that I thought went well, and there were moments that went well. Studs, though, James Cook, clear stud. Like I mentioned, 15 touches, over 140 yards of scrimmage and a touchdown. A.J. Epinesi only played a couple of snaps but had a big-time interception. Uh, Deontay Hardy, I'm giving him a stud award. He played three snaps and came away with that huge third-and-six catch. That I don't know if the Bills win the game if that play doesn't happen. And so you don't get a lot of opportunities. You're inactive last week. You show up in the big in a big moment. And I give Deion Dawkins a stud award here. He's, he's been an absolute bulldozer in the run game. And he was very secure in pass protection. I think he's just he's been a very high-impact offensive tackle this year. It's it's kind of rare to see an offense run through an offensive lineman, but the Bills are doing it with Deion Dawkins, and teams aren't figuring that out. I also want to give Eric Washington a stud award here. I think just thinking about the defensive game plan and how the defensive line was able to execute. not that Again, not that any one of them had monster game, but I think they all played cohesively and together to bottle up Patrick Mahomes and take away the thing that he does best. So as a blanket statement for the defensive line, I'm giving Eric Washington a stud award. Duds, Micah Hyde, um, I already went through it. He was a disaster in this game. And then the wide receivers. got to, We got to get synced up here with Josh Allen. So whatever, whatever that means, right? Like it's, it's disappointing. Cause you don't expect this to, to be the case, but these guys got to get on the same page. You got to get their timing together here. Um, and compliment what the bills are getting out of the running backs and tight ends right now. Now get it all going, be a really, really good offense, but you know, it's kind of one of those deals where it's hard to get it all going at the same time, but I think the wide receiver piece needs, needs to happen here pretty soon. All right, folks, there you have it. The all 22 review for the bills win over the chiefs. I hope you've enjoyed your victory Monday. Next up for the podcast is herd mentality. So come on back for that. And then we're going to switch our attention to the bills. Next game, a home game against the Dallas Cowboys, a big one. So make sure you don't miss any of the coverage here on lockdown bills. Take a moment to be sure that you are subscribed. would love it. If you took a second to rate review and share the podcast, have a great rest of your day. Go bills. I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.